The Koi Gig Pod. I then had to then fake an injury because I didn't want to tell people that I was pregnant until the 12 weeks gone. That's, it's mad to think of really, it seems kind of archaic. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Uh, we have uh, a bit of a, a special piece now because Newcastle United are one of those clubs that we haven't quite covered in depth. Uh, the same as, as maybe Arsenal United Liverpool over recent weeks. Delighted to say the former Irish international goalkeeper Shea Given joins us on the line this morning. Morning Shea, how are things? Good morning lads, you okay? Keeping well, keeping well, thanks for uh, for coming on to us. Uh, 354 caps for Newcastle, so we figured you'd be you'd be the right man to, to discuss their, their current form and rise with. Uh, I mean, things are going really well for Eddie Howe, third place in the table. Uh, it's all looking up. Yeah, it's been an unbelievable season. I mean, you think of the last 12 months even, Shane, it's been, it's been remarkable. Um, you know, where they've come from, I think they were second bottom when he took over. Um, with, you know, and... and I think the biggest scare, the biggest problem for everyone connected to Newcastle or, or, or played for Newcastle, or any connection with the club was, you know, stay in the division because the championship's so difficult to get out of. Because, and the job he's done, you know, the recruitment. I think last January and the summer has been phenomenal. Um, not went mental in the market, just got the right people and the right mentality, the right sort of character to the football club, and, and it's just snowballed really. You know, the season they're having, third in the league. Um, and you're right to talk about them, and not, maybe not in the title race, but definitely, definitely in the Champions League places. You know, if they can finish in the top four and and perhaps win a League Cup, then it would be it would be an unbelievable season. Do you think they are? Like I was listening to Gary Neville's uh, uh, podcast after the match at the weekend, and he was kind of saying he believes City will win the league, Manchester United might finish second, Arsenal third, Newcastle fourth. Is there any hope that Newcastle can can get involved in this title race? I think Eddie would probably. I don't know, probably quietly maybe think there's an outside chance, but I think Arsenal looks so good. I mean, I mean Gary Neville maybe saying that they try and mount more pressure on Arsenal perhaps <laughs> or maybe take the pressure off Arsenal. I don't know what, what his psychology is, but after watching Arsenal at the weekend, you know, they were brilliant against Tottenham. Um, of course, they've got to play Man City twice yet, uh, which will be massive games, of course, but, you know, Arsenal, I don't think will fear anyone at the minute the way they're playing. They're, they've been absolutely brilliant. Uh, the confidence is sky high. The club, you know, the fans, everyone's right behind them. So I think it'll be very difficult to, to claw that back. And whatever reason, at City, it seems to be not going so good at the minute. You know, there seems to be something missing, a little spark, whatever whatever it might be. Um, but Newcastle, even if they finish fourth, the guy Neville's prediction is right, and Newcastle finish fourth, that will be just a, a brilliant season. It really would. And, and then, you know, rebuild again, perhaps in the summer, a few more players, not, not loads of rebuilding, just one or two players to add to this group of players and, and, and help strengthen this team. And, and, you know, it's very exciting. I think the biggest thing that Newcastle fans have is, is hope again. You know, there's a real optimism around the city that, that you know, the good times are, are ahead again. And, and hopefully that's the case. Shay, you touched on the quality of the signings and none of them are like monster names necessarily that were hugely sought after by some of the bigger clubs. You spent about 200 million quid. The names have been monster successes, having said that. The likes of Gamera's, Trippier, uh, Nick Pope, of course, Dan Byrne, the list goes on. And we've uh, spent plenty of time in this show talking about the source of where that money has come from. Having said that, there are other clubs with just as deep a pockets who spent the money badly. In that context, will you talk to us a bit about um, Howe's role in the transfers and where would you rate him at the minute in terms of Premier League managers? Well, he's got to be up there. I mean, people said at the start he's just maybe be a stopgap or maybe just for some big-name manager to come in, you know. But, you know, I think in, in any conversation, I think Eddie Howe's a big-name manager. I think the job he's done, you know, he's, he's surpassed probably most expectations even of the owners. You know, I wouldn't have thought that 
think the Tottenham game, the very first game they, they were in charge was Tottenham at home when they got beat. I was actually at the game. It was it was the atmosphere before the game was phenomenal, but there was a realization after the game that you know there's a big rebuilding job to do here, and and and, and you know and, and they've done that. They've backed them, of course, and 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 I think Eddie Howe's is is is. You know, he deserves this sort of, you know, the positive stuff that's said about him because you can only talk about second bottom and now third in the league, and that's after a long period of time. So you just hope that that can continue. You know, I, I kind of sort of hinted the other day that maybe they could maybe dip into the market now in January because, you know, the, the position they're in, you know, to be third in the league now, you know, it doesn't guarantee in 12 months' time they'll be third in the league because, you know, they always say strike when the iron's hot. Maybe now is the time to get one or two players through the door to really sort of cement the top four position because. The job for Dan Ashworth and, and Eddie Howe come the summertime will, will be made a lot easier if you're in the Champions League next season. You're hearing a lot of names being linked, Shay, uh, as will be the case with uh, with Newcastle over the coming years. But the Chelsea trio, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Conor Gallagher, Hakim Ziyech, maybe Ziyech being the one that Chelsea might uh, most willingly uh, part with. Scott McTominay is another name as well. I guess when you, when you see Bruno Gamaraj leaving the, the field in tears after twisting his ankle at the weekend, um, it, it highlights the need for maybe some, some building in central midfield, albeit I think his injury isn't maybe as bad as, as first feared. It could be weeks as opposed to months. Um, who, who do you think they should bring in, or what sort of areas of the pitch would you like to see Eddie Howe uh, strengthen? Well, well, when you first seen the Bruno injury, you thought it was going to be a lot more serious, and hopefully, as you're right, the, the reports coming back that's hopefully only weeks and not months that he's going to be out for because he's such an important player. He's been an absolute inspiration, inspirational signing, should we say as well from from day one, and you know the fans, he's a fans' favourite already. So hopefully, it's not long term. But where would you like to strengthen? Probably in probably in midfield. You know, when you see, I think. Probably the Sheffield Wednesday game when they lost in the FA Cup was one of them ones you thought, you know, is the squad is, is, is good enough to to be a Champions League squad, perhaps even for next season? Or, you know, this home straight, the second half of the season, you know, an extra couple of players could help strengthen the squad because when they made it, I think it was eight changes against Sheffield Wednesday, it looked like it showed a bit. You know, there's a lot of players have not played much football and, and you know, I think the squad and depth might not be there as, as, as maybe some of the, the bigger teams in the top four are challenging for the top four. So, I wouldn't say exact positions, you know. I think the back four have been brilliant. The goalkeeper's been amazing, you know. So probably midfield and maybe higher up the pitch, perhaps. But you don't want to rock the boat too much when you're doing so well as well. It's it's a it's a it's a fine sort of balance to get that right, you know. Do we do we leave it the way it is because we're doing so well, or do we do we add a little bit of competition for places? The the, the I guess the desire for a trophy share in Newcastle. I mean, as you well know, it's a town that loves its football, like. Intertoto Cup in 2006 and before that you had the FA Cup in 1955 so it's not a, it's not a club mm-hmm. that has experienced much success in the way of silverware like into the yeah. Carabao Cup semi-finals now is that is that something that's going to be firmly on Eddie Howe's mind that look it would be a lovely lovely season not only to clinch top four but maybe pick up a Carabao Cup trophy as well Yeah I mean that'd be amazing I mean it was at the quarter final there the, the last game and the atmosphere before and after the game actually was, was, was phenomenal against Leicester so Obviously, Southampton's a draw. You would think in the semi-final, home and away. I think the second leg's at St James's Park as well. So, I'm not saying it's going to be easy because Southampton, obviously, the recent results in recent weeks have picked up. But you would like to think that, that Newcastle will have enough for for to get through that. And then, obviously, final. Anyone can can win a final, can't they? It's 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 a bit of luck on the day. Um, but it's it's exciting times again. You know, the, as I said, the crowd are really behind the team and the manager, and and there's a real buzz in the city. So. It would be amazing, you know. It would be an unbelievable season, top four, and and to, to pick up a trophy. As you say, it's been far too long. I mean, I was there for for nearly twelve years of my life, and every year was the same thing. You know, can we win a trophy? Can we can we finally do it? We got the two FA Cup finals, I think a semi final, of UEFA Cup as well. I think it was whatever it was called. They changed the name all the time, but you know, we were close, but we just didn't get our hands on one. So it's very frustrating. But you just think with this crop of players, with the new ownership, with the backing that hopefully Eddie will get, then hopefully it's not a million miles away. 
Speaking of the new ownership, Shay, and you're obviously out and around the club and you're in touch, I'm sure, with a lot of Newcastle fans. There was so much chat about it at the start and the source of the money and how should we feel about this, I suppose. What's your... Is everybody around Newcastle just... The money's there, the new owners are in, we're getting on with this and we're going to win trophies, or is there any chat about the source of the money? Um, well, I don't live in Newcastle, but I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's always going to be people who will object to it. I mean, but there's there's other clubs in, in the Premier League that, that have got money from places maybe they shouldn't have before. I don't want to go into too much depth on it, but I think that the what's happened with the previous ownership, I think they're just they're just excited that there's someone who's up to, you know, who are prepared to back the team, prepared to, you know, try and get the club challenging again at the top of the league. Um so whatever you say on here or any sort of uh, social, you know, or any sort of media, then people will spin it and say you're whatever. I can't really say the words, but mm. there's always going to be, you know, objections to that, you know. Um, so, but I mean, I, personally, on a football point of view and, and a sporting point of view, I think it's, and again, people will spin this whatever way they want as well. Is it's, it's exciting again for the football club. Um, I say it's been doom and gloom for a long, I don't know, 12, 13 years under the previous ownership. And it's just, it seems now that that sort of cloud's been lifted and there's excitement again through the city. You almost feel, Shay, that there's a, there's a bit of a shift around Newcastle even in terms of big teams, uh, you know, luck, <clears throat> luck seems to follow them around and the Mitrovic penalty at, at the weekend was a perfect example of that where you need a moment to kind of go your way to pick up three points. Um, yeah. And even towards the end of the game, I remember back in August when, when Liverpool got the late goal and, and Newcastle were trying to kind of play out the game and, and, and run down the clock. It's a risk. But at the weekend, you know that little bit of, of shithousery where you know Dan Byrne is holding the ball over his head for the Fulham players trying to swipe it out of his hands. All of a sudden, all these little moments are going Newcastle's direction. Mm. Well, if you stood next to Dan Byrne, you'd do well to, to get a ball off his hands. He's six foot seven, so uh, he'd a step ladder, I think. But yeah, I mean, you're probably right when you say about you know the Mitrovic penalty at the weekend. It's, it, it was just one of those unfortunate things for probably Mitrovic. But you know, you, you think at times, I kind of think I tweeted after the game. You know, something's brewed in Newcastle because there's little moments and seasons where you know things like that happen because if Fulham get their noses in front, you know, one 0 they probably sit more defensively and, and and be more difficult to break down. And 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 that the goal might not have come at the end, you know, and, and that goal would have been just for for one point instead of three points as well. So. You just believe that there's little moments, key moments, as you say, call it a bit of luck, call it whatever you want. Um, but you just, it's still a long way to go. I mean, we get excited because they've been there now for a few weeks, but there's a lot of games to play. There's a lot of big matches they come up, you know, a lot of big teams to play against. So there's there's a lot of football still to be played and there's a lot of stories to be told yet, you know. So it's not over yet. It's, it's, there's a long way to go. There was a big debate in the studio, Shay, before we came on air this morning about who was the best goalkeeper at Newcastle since Shay Given and whether or not it was Nick Pope. We might as well. You're the expert in the area. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's opinion in different areas and what have you, you know. But what you would say about Nick Pope, he's just been, you know, a breath of fresh air to the football club. I think, I think it was a ten, maybe eleven million they got, and sort of seemed to go under the radar as well, Adrian, with a lot of with a lot of people. Um, you know, he just sort of slipped through the door, and okay, he's here now, and and there wasn't so much fuss made about him. Um, and then he's just been been absolutely phenomenal. You know, his record, I think. That, Seen some of eleven Premier League goals have conceded all season, or something along them. I don't don't quote me on the exact number, but you know that record with the back four. You look at the back four: Dan Byrne, Botman's been a brilliant side. Of course, Cher looks a different player under Eddie Howe, and of course, Trippy. You mentioned before about his leadership qualities. You know, he's a captain. Um, he's just I think the first signing as well under the new you know owners as well. You know, he's brought so much to the football club. You know, so I think them back four, back four, and. and Back five, sorry, with with Nick Pope's been absolutely superb, you know, and I think you need that base if you're going to do anything, you know, in the Premier League, and they've definitely got that. 
yeah, fifth clean sheet in a row, I think, for for Nick Pope, which is a which is a record at top flight level, which is not bad at all. Uh, I'll get me cold then. I'll get me cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, not bad. Um, Alexander Isak, another name as well. Shay, that's yeah. that's really popped up, and his his game time, you know, has been limited by injuries, but uh, his strike rate in terms of goals, I think it's a goal every eighty nine minutes that he's been in a Newcastle jersey when he has been on the pitch. So really, really big bright spark. Yeah, yeah. I was at his debut actually at Anfield when he when he scored two and possibly could have had a hat trick because there was, was a marginal big toe was offside or something, and, and one of the goals got disallowed, you know, in the second half. But yeah, I mean, he had a bad injury, and, and he's, he's he's as Eddie says in the last couple of weeks, he's just trying to get him back up to speed. Um, of course, the goal at the weekend will do him no harm at all, or his confidence no harm either, you know. But again, it's exciting. Wilson's playing really well at the minute as well, and and you know, some people are talking could Wilson and Isak play together up front? That would be. You know, we don't see that very often, two strikers, you know, but maybe Eddie might have to change his formation a little bit, perhaps with maybe Bruno missing for a couple of weeks. It might give him that option to, to play both of them, I don't know, but it's exciting. You know, he's, 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 we didn't know much about him before he signed, but we, we certainly knew a lot about him after his debut. He looked very sharp, he looks a finisher as well, and, and looks a natural finisher too. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the coming weeks. And he's maybe capitalising on the, on a slight dip in form for Alan St. Maximin, so someone who we know is extremely yeah. talented, but uh, I mean, he's really jumped on that bandwagon, Isak, when, uh, when St. Maximin hasn't maybe been at his best. Yeah, perhaps, and, and I think St. Maximin's been fit now for the last three or four weeks as well, not really getting the, the game time, you know, so I don't know, maybe if he's, I don't know, I don't, you don't know, obviously you're just speculating from outside the, the, the sort of change room and what have you, you know, but you would have thought he would have got more more football, and and as I say, you said with Bruno missing the next couple of weeks, it might be interesting to see how Eddie sort of reshuffles his pack. We'll see Maximum come in. Will Isak start up with Wilson? There's lots of different you know things that he has to sort of work out now, Eddie, in the next couple of weeks. But um, see Maximum on his day can be you know can be world class, and then on other days he can be frustrating. I think that's that's the thing. He's trying to get the consistency. You know what Sid Maximum's going to turn up. You know, but when he when he can play at, his, at the level we know he can, he's a he's a brilliant player. Marcus Rashford definitely offside. <laughs> oh my God! Don't get me started now. How long is it? How long have I got on this show? I've got all morning if you want. Last to be honest, I just I just can't get my head around that goal. And 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 I spoke about it in the last couple of days as well. And people going, "Oh, because you played for Man City." Blah 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 blah. It's nothing to do with Man City. It's nothing to do with if a Newcastle striker had scored it or Haaland had scored it. I would I'd be saying the exact same. It, it makes a farce of the whole game. In fact, you know, it's just. I don't know. I don't know what you know. It's probably been spoke about. You know, he's interfering with plays. Of course, he's interfering with play. Ederson's the goalkeeper. You know, position I know pretty well. I would, I'd like to think was coming out down the line of, of, of the shot we had it, with Rashford running onto the ball. He was getting set for that. He wasn't getting set for for Bruno for Gamara, uh, Bruno Gamara, You know, Fernandez coming onto the ball to, to finish the goal. You know, and then they say he's not interfering because he's not touched the ball. He's, he's nearly jumped out of the way for 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 Bruno to score. You know, so. Of course he's interfering with play. Of course he's interfering even with the back line. You know, Kanji sort of stepping up, playing him offside. It's it, it's just, it's a bit of a farce. I mean, they have to clarify. I know there's a law in place and if you don't touch the ball and what have you. I think even going back a few weeks when, when Salah scored for Liverpool, that's so it's a different goal. It's not a City man. It's not a goal against Man City or Newcastle, for example. It's, I think the Wolves defender headed it because he was trying to, you know, block it from going to Salah. Goes to Salah and he scores and they give it. You know, that's that's a farce. That, should be, that goal should be given offside. What do you make of Man City, generally speaking, at the, at the minute, Shea? Because, I mean, result notwithstanding, the performance was, was OK. I mean, Fred really clearly had a job to do on Kevin De Bruyne, which he did quite well in the first half. Uh, Haaland didn't have much, you know, he probably needs the City players to get the ball to him more, although it was quite difficult at Old Trafford at the weekend, given United's setup. But um, you wouldn't be too concerned. Arsenal's form is, is really, really good, but you feel that City have that, that bubble and that spell still in them. 
Well, they do. They're champions for a reason. And these guys have been there before. Um, you know, they're a brilliant squad of players and they'll be hurting at the minute because, you know, the results, of the, the results Southampton, of course, losing to Southampton in, 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 uh, in the League Cup as well and, and then going out um, losing the, the Manchester Derby, you know. So these guys will be hurting and you, you'll expect a response. Um, you know, Fred done a brilliant job in the Brown. I was at the game, actually, the Brentford game before the World Cup when... when Thomas Frank went to the Etihad and, and really, you know, I think they nearly double marked De Bruyne that day to, to try and stop the, the service to Haaland. And there was a real game plan to, you know, if you can stop the source, then you, you stop Haaland getting goals, you know. So, you know, Pep and his, and his staff will have to work that out. You know, how do we maybe free up De Bruyne or if, if a couple of players are on De Bruyne, there's, is there space for the likes of Marais or Grealish or Foden or whoever else that he, that he plays or, you know, Silver or whatever, whatever team he picks, you know. So, They'll have to rejig it a bit, perhaps, to, to, to get the spark back. But, you know, I think, as I said, these guys are champions for a reason. They're, they've won the Premier League so many times in the last, you know, five or six seasons. So they definitely won't be giving up the the giving up the ghost, should we say. They'll be definitely chasing Arsenal all the way to the end. I saw Stuart Pearce making a good case um, and it was stood out from the noise for in uh, defence of Hugo Lloris on TalkSport yesterday in the North London derby, talking about the fact that it takes a deflection. What's your take on it? Yeah, it does take a deflection. It's, it's difficult because any any goal that goes in and a, and a goalkeeper hits his chest or whatever and it rebounds into the net, then it's you know people will just automatically turn point the finger at the goalkeeper. But and also it doesn't help. It, and this doesn't sound like a goal. It does. It's going to be a goalkeeper's union conversation. But it's like you know it's it's happened so quick. And then when they show it, you know it's a split second type thing. And and sometimes you don't even see the ball and it hits off a part of your body. And before you know it. It's in the net. You don't. You don't even realize which part of your body is hit. Enough, and it happens so quick. And the thing with TV and and slow motions and stuff, and you know, people are sitting back on their sofa and thinking, "Gee, I, I want to save that." You know, it's just, it's it's not easy. I'm not saying it's it's it's. I'm not saying he shouldn't have saved it. I'm not saying it's 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 a glaring error. But you'll be disappointed when you look back. Hugo will be disappointed himself. You know, if he stays maybe more square to the ball, it might hit his chest and, and come back in the direction that it came. And it just sort of he just turned his chest a little bit, and that's gone into the net but it's 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 a very it happens so so quick you know and it's 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 you know milliseconds or whatever it is it's it's, it's very difficult to react sometimes and it's like hard for keepers as well isn't it because you're like that's the ultimate a defender makes a slip and it's grand it probably gets covered somebody else mops it up goalkeeper mm-hmm. makes a slip and he's living with that he's listening to that he's looking at that for the next couple yeah. of weeks and again it's a big derby as well so there's, yeah. you know there's a big pressure in that that position of course the goalkeeper's as you say, is the last line of defence. There's, there's, there's no one there to bail you out behind. And you know, being there myself, I made mistakes. It's, it's, it's not a nice place to be. Um, but again, it's, it's the psychology of a goalkeeper. You know, the, 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 the sports psychologists. I'm sure they have at Tottenham and, and different people who've been working with Hugo Lloris. To, you've got to park that to one side, of course, for the rest of the game. And then you, maybe after the game, you can address it, sit down in the cold light of day, and think what would you have done different, and how could you've maybe reacted differently or what would you have done differently perhaps the next time you know so it's all dealing with them the mental side of the game as much as anything Having said all that uh, with my Irish hat on I'll uh, make a case for Cueven Kelleher to get out of Liverpool who are going backwards and uh, you know a uh, good time to jump ship and a good place for him to go what, what's your sense of what if you were to give him advice if he was to call you up and say Shay what are you thinking what should I do here what would you say to him yeah, well, I think Creven doesn't need advice from me or anyone else. But you know, I would always be the opinion of 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 to get playing. Obviously, that that would be my you know. I left Donegal all those years ago at sixteen and had a choice of going to Man United or Glasgow Celtic, and I picked Glasgow Celtic because I felt there was a better chance of getting into the team. You know, Packy Bonner was getting on a bit. Hopefully, Packy's not watching. But at the time, I felt he was you know was more of a chance of getting in there. Whereas you know, Peter Schmeichel was just sort of coming into his prime at Man United. So we felt that. Me and my dad felt that that was the, the avenue we wanted to take. We wanted to play as many first-team games as possible. And 
I always felt when I didn't when I didn't play, even if I was you know in the squad and I was on the bench or whatever, I was I was raging. You know, I was like, that's a game I will never get back in my life in my career. That I can't, I can't turn the clock back. You know, so. Cueven will be, I would imagine, I'd be itching to get playing, you know, and, and even from a Liverpool point of view, you know, Alisson's an unbelievable goalkeeper, so I always have the argument, because I've been asked this a few times of a few different people, it's like, there's no harm letting them go to the end of the season, for example, now to, to play games, and, and that's, you know, even pits up his price tag, for example, because I've got every faith that he'd be, he, he would do brilliant wherever he goes, you know, he's, he's, he's at the age, he's at the level where he could play, I think, in... I wouldn't even just say championship. I would say, you know, Premier League. You know, I think he's at that level. Um, and, of course, Gavin's doing great at Southampton as well. So, you know, Cueven will be looking at thinking, I need, to, I need to get playing games, you know. So I think there could be some sort of a a good deal for both Liverpool and Cueven to, to get him some game time. It's fascinating what you're, what you're saying there, Cher, about the psychology of a goalkeeper because you're in a team sport and yet you're an individual, really, in that in that team because, as you say, if, if a mistake is is on your back, it's it's entirely down to you. Like, we had Ronan Agarra recently with us and look, kind of similar for a fly half in rugby that you're in a team sport, but again, you're an individual, especially when you're on the kicking tee. Uh, and Ronan, I mean, he made my morning when he said Ronnie O'Sullivan was one of his, his mm-hmm. sports heroes and he was big into the darts as well. It seemed fascinating to me that he was gravitating towards individual sports and, and even, you know, maybe golf play, golfers as well are you some someone similar who has maybe as a goalkeeper gravitated towards individual sports people uh well i do like golf uh, i like i like the golfers to be fair obviously the, the irish guys mcelroy and, and shane lowry who i met a few weeks back actually great guy um you just hope he has a great great year ahead of him of mm. course but growing up probably was was more of football I, you know i was growing up as a kid and was always like oh who do you look up to as a footballer and peter schmeichel was probably the one i looked up to most when i was a kid and and it was kind of like, who could you learn from or who do you think you could emulate to try and be or, or, or you know, have some sort of a figure that you could look at and think, well, what 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 do I need to do to get to that level, you know, or, or to even, you know, be anywhere close to that level, you know? So I think it's I think it's good for some for kids to have that sort of aspirations or it doesn't have to be an, even in their sport or, or individuals, you know, I don't know, I was trying to say inspirations that people, you know, dedication and people who sometimes maybe weren't the most gifted in their sport, but they've just thrown their whole life and, and, and into it, like, and they've actually been brilliant at what they've done, and that's, what is it, hard work beats talent or something? Or there's, there's, there's a saying in there somewhere, as you probably help me out, but, no, it. you know, it's, 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 it's something for kids to aspire to be, and that's, that's what I was like when I was growing up. It was like, I used to look at maybe all the top goalkeepers, but, but probably Peter Schmeichel was the one I thought, you know, what an unbelievable goalkeeper he was, and, you know, lucky enough at, at one stage, you know, he was at the other end of the pitch to me, you know, playing against him, you know, so that was a bit surreal. But, um, yeah, you know, I think it's important you look up to these people. Just a final one for me, Shane. You've been very good with your time. Um, the Aaron Ramsdale situation at the weekend, uh, brilliant performance in the North London derby from him. Uh, there were those unsavoury scenes towards the end where a, fan, a Spurs fan kicks him in the back. Um, and, and you can see him kind of having a little bit of aggro with the Spurs fans throughout the game. Like, is that is that a tough thing? And maybe from your own experience as well, where you're standing in your goal and you have the, the opposition fans right behind you hurling abuse at you for, for 90 minutes plus. Not an easy thing and, and probably, I assume, quite difficult for a goalkeeper not to react to that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, as, as you say, you've been getting abused the whole game. I've played it, obviously, Manchester Derby, Newcastle, Sunderland Derby. You know, you're, you're at the way, especially at the way stadiums, you're getting, you know, it's, it's 90, 95 minutes of absolutely, you know, whatever they can throw at you. You know, we can't stay on, on here, of course. You know, <laughs> the, the stuff that Ramsdale would have had to put up with at the weekend, you know, but uh, when you win a big derby, I think you should be allowed as a player to, to enjoy that moment. To, you know that's why you work hard and and you dedicate yourself and your life to to the profession. You know is, is to celebrate the moment and enjoy the moment. You know so 
I think for a fan to come on like that is, is, is disgusting, really. You know, he kicked him in the back, which is bad enough. But imagine he had a knife or something or anything. You know, it's, it's you know, some Tottenham fans are like, oh, you're going over the top there, perhaps, you know. But at the same time, these guys, you know, the family men, they've got kids and stuff, and, and it's people's lives is risk, you know. And that, and that might be a bit strong on my point, but you just don't know in the, you know, in the current climate if someone has something that they shouldn't have into the stadium, then... Mm. The players on the pitch should 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 not be at any sort of risk, you know. So it's you don't like to see that at any stadium. Yeah, hundred percent. Here, here, uh, Shep. Really good with your time. Thanks a million as always this morning. Thanks, Shep. All right, thanks, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.